0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. We're uh, continuing to study some uh, essays by... uh Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel on, uh, on, on prayer. Um, it's a section of his uh, a book of essays on prayer called Man's Quest for God that um, he identifies. Um, uh, some of the book is, is, uh, is about sort of a, um, the, the deeper philosophical or, or, or spiritual meaning of, of prayer. Um, but there's a section of it where he uh, uh, tries to identify, tries to take down uh, some of the uh, major um, uh, uh, prayer ideologies of his time uh, that have been uh, advanced in, um, in 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 mainstream synagogue life uh, during his time, uh, and what we've suggested uh, in a couple of these essays is that uh, there are elements of what he says that are that are still uh, very relevant and, and true for our time. And some things it may not be. Um, it's also uh, interesting, uh, in, in, in a way, um, to kind of uh, uh, imagine who, who he's talking to. Um, you know, so we uh, um, mentioned in, in one essay that it seemed very clear that he was uh, um, addressing uh, Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan um, and Kaplan's uh, contemporaries and students. Uh and in another essay that did, that it looked like he was addressing uh the likes of uh Yeshayahu Leibowitz and uh and, and maybe uh um uh, Joseph Soloveitchik. Um and and so I'm not sure who he's talking to in this essay, which is uh, on the bottom of page fifty-four here, the doctrine of prayer as a social act. Uh uh, but uh, but it does you know remind me of that old joke that I've mentioned a number of times in this context before of you know the the the, um, the guy who goes to uh, shul um, and, uh, and and spends all of, all of his time you know uh, schmoozing with his friend Morty right and uh, and someone goes to learn kiddush is like you know uh, why do you even bother coming to shul and he says well Morty goes to shul to talk to God and I go to shul to talk to Morty right. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and so th- there's an element, I think, of what Heschel's going to be talking about here that refers to that phenomenon of, uh, of Shul as a social center. Um, uh, that, uh, that prayer, um, at its essence, um, and this is what Heschel's going to argue against, uh, that prayer at its essence is an opportunity for Jews to come together, um, as Jews. Um, that, uh, that, uh, that, that many other activities might involve Jews coming together um uh, uh, but not necessarily as Jews uh and there's something um uh, uh, meaningful and important about the act of coming together uh of Jews coming together as Jews it doesn't really matter the content of why they're coming together it doesn't it, there's no directionality of it um uh, but there's spiritual significance in the act of coming together um uh, and, and it is also, right, it's, uh, it's, it's different than, uh, than, um, uh, people coming together doing things that might otherwise be identified as Jewish, right? So, uh, and also Jews coming together to do things that are not necessarily Jewish, right? So, uh, the act of prayer is important because it's Jews coming together as Jews. Uh, and is gonna say, uh, that, um, that, that prayer is, that, that prayer is, uh, um, amplified in the context of community, uh, but prayer doesn't a doesn't require community, and b that uh, that that community isn't the point of prayer. Okay, so here's what he, here's what he says, and he says that that's the uh, that's an operating uh, uh, principle in the in in the uh, um, in the makeup of many congregations that he sees at at his time. Um, that, uh, you know, that, that, that they, that they construct their prayer services and their, and their synagogue life around that idea that it doesn't really matter, you know, um, what happens in the sanctuary. It just matters that people are, that, that there are butts in the seats, right? And that there's sanctuary like things happening there, right? And that there's a book opened and that there's a, there's, there, you know there's, there's the Amida happens, right? And it doesn't really matter what what what, what you do, or what you say. It just matters that there are people there. Okay. Um, there's another definition which is being perpetuated all over the country in sermons, synagogue bulletins, and books. Now he may be very well right about this. I haven't seen the sermon, synagogue bulletins, and books that he's referring to. I assume he's referring to something that he saw. Uh, so maybe people who were around uh, in, in 1954, maybe you've, you saw this. Um, he says that uh, this is what he's seen. Prayer is the identification of the worshiper with the people Israel. In other words, the, 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 the act of prayer has nothing to do with God. The act of prayer has nothing to do with uh, touching your soul or uh, uh, you know, igniting your spirit. Prayer is you come into a place as a worshiper... Uh, But the point is to identify with the people. Or the occasion of immersing ourselves in the living reality of our people. In inviting people to join a synagogue, the idea is advanced that the synagogue is the instrument through which the Jew is identified with his people. The sense of identification is achieved only through common worship. Okay, so that's the argument that uh, that 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 Heschel sees synagogues putting forward. The the value added of a synagogue is uh, is that it's a it's it's the way a Jew identifies with other Jewish people. If you don't belong to a synagogue, you've written off the people. If you uh, if you if you don't belong to a synagogue, you can't fully identify as a Jew. Um, and the common worship element, which is the core of of, of the synagogue, um, only exists uh, uh, in order to have a thing to bring those Jews to. Such an approach is built on theology, which regards God as a symbol of social action, as an epitome of the ideals of the group. As the spirit of the beloved community, as the spirit of a people, and insofar as there is a world of humanity, the spirit of the world, as the creative goodwill which makes cooperation in our moral endeavor possible. And So, in in that context, um, there isn't really a God. Right. It, God is a uh, is an, is an abstraction of what happens when the community comes together. Right. The community. Comes together, expresses its highest ideals, or expresses a high ideal by virtue of coming together, and that high ideal is what we call God. But there is no there there, there's no actually, there's no God. It's just what we, it's just the term we give, it's just the name we give to the act of coming together. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, it's how we identify the feeling of being there. It's how we, um, uh, address the, um, the, the meaning that we get out of having come together, the, you know, the, the, um, the values that the rabbi talks about in the sermon, the good feelings and camaraderie we have, uh, together, right? That, so we identify all those things as God, but there's no act, there's not really a God. It's just what we call that phenomenon. Um, and it's not what we're doing or focused on when we pray, um, when we pray, we're focused on the fact that we're in a room with a whole bunch of other Jews, and that's a good thing. Uh, but uh, but but it's not as if we're trying to uh, uh, talk to God. Um, now that doesn't mean that there aren't some people in the room who are ta- who are talking to God or who feel like God is talking to them. But it means that the uh, that the atmosphere that's been constructed, the the the, the ideology that's that's driven um, the setting um, is that you don't come here. You can come here to talk to God if that's what you want to do, but the real point of coming here is to be together. I don't think it's by accident that the, the first part of the paragraph, where we has got the, the Jewish quotes, are all unattributed. And the second part, the three quotes, all appear to be non-Jewish sources. Yeah. So what do you make of that? Um, I think he's suggesting this isn't Jewish. He's suggesting it's a, it's a religious belief, but it's not a, this social idea of God, that it's not really Jewish. Yeah. I think I think that you're right. So what Kevin's saying is that uh, the the um, the the um, um, the theological underpinnings, right? He attributes all to Christian sources, you know, which makes me think that um, um, that that he might be talking to people in the reform world uh, with with this, um, but maybe not. Um, but it's an interesting thing, right? Uh, but you know, what's interesting about it is like it. it it doesn't feel particularly Christian to me either because it feels like um when when Christians come together to pray that um it's not a, a sense of you know of uh, or at least um primarily a sense of identifying with uh with with the people I mean there's a there's a body of Christ element right but uh uh but the point of going to church is to is is for the spirit right um uh you know I'm sure that's not universally true in in every church. I'm sure that, you know, uh, in Heschel's language, I'm sure there are insipid and dull churches as well. Um, But, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I just kind of hear a very mocking tone also the way it presents
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing that too. I think it's the
1: reality of the times he was talking about. I think it it was that... not just reform, but I think also conservative Judaism. That, that, that um, those ideas were were, were accepted and promulgated, if not um, explicitly, then implicitly.
0: Do you think it's still Do you think it's still valid?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think much less so.
0: Mm-hmm. Much
1: much less so. I think they seem antiquated today, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that people are all comfortable with with that notion, and the reality has is, is that it didn't work. You know, it didn't it didn't speak. It didn't capture the hearts and minds of people for for a, for a period of time. Yes, I identify as a Jew through whatever. You know, clearly, we see today. I don't know, what is the percentage of people who belong to a synagogue? And are we willing to write all of those those off? Uh, uh, I think we have a, a more open attitudes towards
0: um, towards things. Well, right, and 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 regardless of what our definition of uh, of, of what a rich Jewish identity is, um, the it's 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 uh, it depends on where you are in the country. But let's say it's fifty percent of American Jews. I think that's generous. Fifty percent of American Jews are are not affiliated with synagogues. But well into the 90% of American Jews have positive identifications with Judaism. In the you know in in the high 70s or 80s, do a handful of Jewish practices, high holidays, uh, some some kind of high holiday thing, um, some kind of Passover thing. Um, uh, uh, most have bar mitzvahs. Um, uh, uh, brises are a little bit lower. Most have Jewish funerals uh, still today. Right? So anyway, there's like a constellation of Jewish things that people are still doing, even if they're not. Uh, affiliating with synagogues, and they say that I feel totally and fully Jewish just by doing those things, and I don't need uh, to go to a synagogue, I don't need to even belong to a synagogue, much less go to one regularly in order to, uh, to feel Jewish, because we're just talking about affiliation there, that's, you know, say 50%, right, and then think about in terms of, uh, in the 50% who are affiliated with synagogues, how many of those um, are you know regularly going to the synagogues in order to you know feel that positive identification with people? You know, well, we could take uh, our synagogue as an example, where We have nine hundred fifty families, give or take, right? And uh, and on the average Shabbat, how many families are here? We have a good crowd, right? But uh, uh, we're maybe now uh, may not even be built with the assumption that uh, um, uh, that that all those families will come uh, on a, on a Shabbat morning, uh, but. Um. What's that? I say, God, forbid. Yeah. God forbid, right? We'd run out of kiddish food. <laughs> We'd run out of yeah. uh, That too. The kiddish food would probably. Be... We have no
1: room for the kiddish. Yeah, right.
0: Um. Uh. So someone else had their hand. Yeah, Debbie. So I,
1: I kind of see the attitude that he describes of um the lack of spirituality that he's describing as, as a reaction to show up, and a product of its time, and I, I think it was really hard for people. Coming through that experience of the Shoah to get to to feel that that spiritual connection with God, and they needed to to um, get to God in some other I, way. Yeah, yeah. I personally, I personally think that you're right. I just think it's historically too early for that to been dealt with. We're talking early 50s. Yeah. I think people I have not like, even begun to to process the Holocaust yet. Yeah. But, but. Their faith, their faith in God, their, their belief in God was affected while it was going on. That, but by the 50s, I mean. it would also have been affected by the establishment of Israel. Well, that's political. I mean, that's... No, yeah, no. No. No, I mean, I'm talking about from a religious, <laughs> religious standpoint. If your faith is shaken by the Holocaust, chances are your faith is even more confused once you have this positive thing happening. And that's I really confusing. I think people saw that. A lot of people... Con- Focused
0: on the political aspects of the the material. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question. I don't, I, 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 have to study the like, you know, religious sociology of it. I have, I do have a sense of what you're saying about the Holocaust that, um, that you know, uh, the the traditional assumptions about God's um, uh, omnipotence and goodness um, are really, really, really shaken by something like the Holocaust, um, and so it makes it hard to uh to pray to that god um knowing that you know god um theoretically had the power to stop 6 million jews from being murdered but didn't stop it um Uh, for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, so coming from that, they didn't really talk about it, but I think that, that psychologically, um, like we, we, we need to keep on doing Jewish because that's who we are and that's what we do, but we got to take God out of the equation because like, how do you pray to that God? Um, uh, and i don't know if the if in the early years of it i i could be wrong you know i, I really just don't know in the early years after the establishment of the state of israel if that really changed things for people i think that that in the in in the long i think that part of the theological shift that's happened in in the last i don't know 50 years let's say um um is because of the uh, of the not only the establishment but the survival and vibrancy of of uh, of the state of Israel so there so i think that uh part of the you, you might be able to make an argument in the same direction that part of the resurgence of uh god talk in synagogues um is uh, is at least in part due to um a renewed comfort with uh with a god who could help um uh, you know initiate the establishment of uh, of Israel um you know, so so, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a complicated question, um, but yeah,
1: I mean, you know, my recollection as a kid and it goes to this somewhat: is you can't overemphasize, or, or the synagogue just constantly Israel, Israel, Israel. Almost everything you did. I mean, you we would sing Hatikva when, when I was just going Sundays every Sunday. Uh, it, it was a major presence in a conservative synagogue, and this is mid fifties.
0: Right, but was there was was it theological?
1: That I can't answer. enough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because I because I um, we talked about this a, 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 a little while ago, and people remarked to me that um, that that Rabbi Wolpe virtually never talked about God. Um, and then uh, Cantor told me a story that uh, that, that uh, Rabbi David Wolpe um, once uh, once you know commented in a in the in the talk that uh, that his father never preached about God, the and then. Was with it was a Newsweek magazine. So, uh, um, which time? Um, so, uh, um, first time. <laughs> the first, time. so, uh, so that, uh, uh Rabbi Wolffy Sr. sent him an, an email saying God, 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 or a letter saying God, 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 God. Um. Remember
1: that when you speak to time.
0: Right. Newsweek not around anymore. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's, uh, go on a little bit further. Um, uh. An act of identity. Way, actually,
1: yeah, he spoke about Israel all the time. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that was God for a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, which, in some ways, is you—you uh, you could make an argument is um, virtually similar from a theological point of view to what Heschel talking about here in the synagogues, right? So, um, so we, we won't—we don't talk about God. We won't—we uh, don't pray to God. Um, uh, what we do is we we come together and do jewish as jews right and uh, and and that's and and that's what religion that's what judaism is all about it's not about uh um uh, having a, a, a transcendent uh, connection the transcendent connection um comes from the uh from the act of Belonging from the act of doing, from the act of peoplehood. So, in some senses, Israel is that too, and it's why you have you you, you have you know you have Shul Jews, you have Federation Jews, and you have APAC Jews, right? And uh, um, uh, you know, and, and I think that there's a, a piece of that that uh, in in this time period and still in ours um, that there's a, there's an argument that that uh, you know sort of all you need in the construction of a Jewish religious identity is an experience. Um, of belonging, right? of coming together with, and Israel can be that, or synagogue can be that, or something else can be that. An act of identification with the people is, phenomenologically speaking, the definition of a political act. I think that that's sort of what Devi was getting at—that um, it's a, a political act, uh, political act. You know, people, uh, people coming together in in, uh, in in community and and organizing together. But is a political phenomenon the same as worship? Moreover, is the act of identification with the Jewish people in itself an act that constitutes the essence of worship? Who is our model? Elijah, who disassociated himself from the congregations of his people? Or the prophets of the Baal, who led and identified themselves with their people? Okay, so for those of you who aren't catching the reference here, in... um, in First Kings chapter 19, if I'm not mistaken, uh, um, uh, Elijah is uh, uh, self-described the last remaining prophet who is loyal to the God of Israel. Um, everybody else under the leadership of uh, King Ahab, not the one who was hunting the white whale, but the first King Ahab, um, uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel um, had uh, converted the whole Nation to uh, Baal worship was a Canaanite uh, god of the time, um, and uh, uh, and you know uh, uh, replaced all the priests and the prophets of uh, of God with uh, the priests and the prophets of Baal, right and uh, and. You know, made uh, Elijah not a particularly po- uh, popular person, at least in royal circles, especially because he would uh, publicly rail against uh, the actions of the of the royals and of uh, of the Baal worshipping community. And so, what? Uh, um, and so, you have a story of Elijah being chased, fleeing for his life, leaving the community, running away to the wilderness, going to Mount Sinai. That's where you have the whole business with uh, with him, you know, with God coming to Elijah, uh, and uh, and uh, um, there, there being an earthquake. And a lightning storm and thunder and fire and whatever, uh, and then a still small voice, and uh, and and, the still, and God was in the still, still small voice. Uh, that's you know that's, so that's Elijah going off by himself and praying, um, leaving the people in order to go and commune with God. Right? And you have that, in. by the way, not just in Judaism. You have that in virtually every religion. Right, You have Jesus going into the wilderness. You have uh, Siddhartha Gautama sitting under the Bodhi tree. You have Muhammad going to the cave. Right? So in, in virtually every religion, including Judaism, you have these stories of the way you connect with God is to leave people. Right? Um, or do you have the prophets of Baal who led and identified with themselves with their people? Right, that's the. Those are your choices. Apparently, according to Tashel, do you uh, do you go off into the wilderness by yourself to worship God, or do you stick with the people even if they're worshiping idols? The prophets of Israel were not eager to be in agreement with popular sentiments. Spiritually important, essential, and sacred is the identification with the people Israel is, right? He's not saying that, uh, that, that identification involvement in Jewish peoplehood is a bad thing. Um, he's not saying that, it's, that, that that's tantamount to worshipping idols. Um, but he, uh, um, we must not forget that what lends spiritual importance and sanctity to that identification is Israel's unique association with the will of God. There is this, um, amazing, from a um, historical and sociological point of view, amazing essay that Rabbi Eric Yaffe, um, who's the former head of the Reform Movement, wrote um, probably a month or two ago. I where it was. It was either in the foreword or Haaretz or some such thing, um, where he talks about how he doesn't understand secular Jews. He doesn't understand Jews who uh, say, you know, I'm, I'm I'm Jewish by virtue of identifying with the people, um, but God isn't really a factor in my Jewishness, and uh, and so he, you know, sort of spends 800 words uh, laying into that point of view. Um, it was amazing that the the, the that um, uh, the head of the, the former head of the Reform movement uh, um, uh, uh, advances that argument in a previous generation that wouldn't have been the case. Um, uh, and he says essentially what Heschel is saying here: that uh, that that the only reason that there is a Jewish people, right? The, the only reason that you have a, a people to identify with, um, that that the structures that you call Jewish are Jewish structures, um, is because of God, right? Or at least because of our people's historical association of those phenomena with God, right? So. You know, you you come together to study Torah, okay, you have to acknowledge that in a previous generation, the only reason people came together to study Torah is because they thought that they were trying to uh, uh, get to the bottom of the will of God. Right? In a previous generation, the only people came together and prayed is because they thought they were talking to God. In a previous generation, the only reason the people uh, had a Pesach Seder together is because, well, not the only reason, but one of the primary reasons is because they felt that God commanded it. Right? So, So, you may not believe those things, but you have to at least acknowledge that God is a factor in it, right? Um, and so that's that's what he's saying, right? The, the only reason that Israel is Israel, not the state of Israel, the people, the only reason there's a Jewish people um, is because we have a unique association with the will of God. It's that association that raises our attachment to the people of Israel above the level of mere nationalism. And right? so that's, I think, his argument against Zionism, right? Um, uh, it, that, that one line, right? It's, it's uh, it, it's not only about Jews coming together as Jews. That's important, um, but it's not the end. Right? Uh, the end uh, ought to be uh, the advancement uh, of the will of God. The identification with the knowledge of, the connection to uh, the divine. Right? Otherwise, what you're doing is forming a state, forming a political entity. Which is fine, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's, uh, but it's, it's not uniquely Jewish. And so if what, if, if what you're doing by coming to synagogue is trying to do something uniquely Jewish, the uniquely Jewish part of it is related to God. Um, the doctrine of prayer as a social act is the product of what may be called the sociological fallacy. According to which the individual has no reality except as a carrier of ideas and attitudes that are derived from group existence. Applied to Jewish faith, it is a total misunderstanding of the nature of Jewish faith to overemphasize the social or communal aspect. Community is important in Judaism, but it's not of (coughs) primary importance. At the center of the camp in the wilderness was the Mishkan. And at The center of the Mishkan was the Ark. Right? At The center of the Ark was God. Right? The the community is oriented around Torah and God. Right? Not the other way around. It's true that a Jew never worships as an isolated individual, but as a part of a community of Israel. Even when you're praying individually, you worship as part of the community of Israel. When you pray by yourself but you pray the Amidah, all your prayers are in the plural, right? Rifaenu, Adonai Erapha, heal us. Um, yet it's within the heart of every individual that prayer takes place. Real prayer is personal and internal. The community helps to elevate and amplify that. It's a personal duty and an intimate act which cannot be delegated to either the cantor or to the whole community. Uh, Prayer doesn't work if you just sit in your seat and let it wash over you. Um, It's not a spectator sport. We pray with all of Israel, and every one of us by himself. We come to synagogue to pray together, but every individual needs to pray in order for it to work. You can't pray, this is the argument he made before, you can't pray by proxy. Contrary to sociological theories... Individual prayer preceded collective prayer in the history of religion. And not only the history of religion, the history of uh, Jewish religion, too. Right? So the models for prayer in the Bible are all private, are all personal. Um, uh, even, to a large degree, the sacrificial system was personal. Um, there were obviously communal sacrifices, uh, but, uh, but, but the majority of the time spent talking about sacrifices in the Torah if I were to weigh it out, are talking about uh, opportunities for you to bring your personal sacrifice for whatever reason. Right? And the models for prayer are um, Abraham, who got up early in the morning to pray. Right? Isaac, who went off in the field by himself to pray. Uh, uh, Jacob, who uh, went to bed alone uh, at night uh, on, on the way uh, to, uh, 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 to uh, Haran. Um, Elijah, who went off into the wilderness; <laughs> Hannah, who who uh, prayed bitterly by herself. Right? These are the models. There's in the in the Bible. There's very few instances in which it describes a communal act of prayer in the way that we see prayer because it didn't really exist yet. So you look in later books like Ezra and Nehemiah, you sort of see the glimmers of it. Um, but uh, but it, but it's it, and in in uh, in the Book of Esther, you have uh, the the Jews pray, you know fasting together and praying together. For the aversion of the decree, um, but uh, um, but the but the major models that, that Heschel's referring to um, in, in the history of Jewish religion and the history of religion in general um, uh, identify prayer as a as a personal act that can be amplified by community, but inherently it's it's about the individual's connection with the divine and um, and with himself or herself. Such sociological perspectives forfeit the unique aspects of worship. Do we, in the moments of prayer, concentrate on the group? I'm going to skip the psalm. Can the sociological definition of prayer as an act of identification with the people be applied to this psalm, which, if you looked at it, um, describes the personal yearnings for God, which, to Heschel exemplify prayer? And so that exists as the question and as the challenge um, to each of us, Uh, which is to what degree prayer is the act of Jews coming together as community, and to what degree prayer is a, a, a personal expression of a longing for connection with the Divine.